the first thing everyone says is that you're the hardest worker they've been around, that you just grind it out from, from a ball standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint. Where does that passion or that desire to work that hard come from? When you demand a lot, then you better be um, leading by example as far as yeah. when you report to work, when you leave, how prepared you are. You know, um, when we when we go out to the field, even if it's just a walkthrough, I want that thing absolutely dialed. Who's the one guy that stands out to you that's the biggest freak of, of them all? Coaching Miles Garrett was was awesome. When I came to Alabama, I changed a certain way. We, we ran a pass rush game. Um, and then you go to the National Football League, you coach a guy like Miles Garrett, and maybe that doesn't exactly make sense because that individual can cover six yards in two steps when the average individual doesn't. Day one, uh, defensive unit meeting for training camp. What's the defensive culture, the fundamentals, the foundation that you're you're telling the unit? Um, I want to attack and dominate my box for six seconds of hell mm-hmm. and own my job, whatever that be. Um, we want to play from point A to point B as fast and as violent as possible. Next up. Today's episode is brought to you by Ekron Athletics. Listen, you guys know I was an injury-prone player during my playing career. Felt like I was hurt having surgery every other season. Looking back on it, I wasn't recovering the right way. So now in my post-playing career, I've made it a mission to figure out how to recover best. And that's when I found Ekron Athletics. Their B37S percussion massage gun, this thing right here, has changed the way I recover after big workouts. I wish I had this thing when I was playing. It was named the best overall massage gun by GQ, Sports Illustrator, and other trusted publications. I'm telling you, Every player and athlete out there should be using this thing to recover after workouts and games and to get loose before games and practices. And even if you're not playing sports and using it before the gym and after the gym, I use it when I'm sitting at home watching college football every Saturday. I mean, this thing is beautiful. I love it. I take it with me everywhere I go, even on the road when I travel. Oh, and the B37S massage gun is not just about a quick fix. It's got a long battery life and it comes with a lifetime warranty guaranteeing this thing lasts much longer than my football career did. Whether you're a current athlete, a former athlete, or just an everyday person trying to stay in shape, you need to try the B37S percussion gun from Ekron Athletics. Go to EkronAthletics.com today and start recovering faster and moving easier. That's Ekron Athletics and use promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. That's E-K-R-I-N Athletics.com with promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. Support for today's episode comes from Waterboy, this bad boy right here. You'd be amazed. At the thing in this stick right here can completely change your life. Waterboy is a hydration powder scientifically formulated to cut your hangover time in half. There's other hydration packs on the market, but nothing comes close, anywhere close, to fighting those Sunday scaries like Waterboy. It has zero sugar, three times the electrolytes of liquid IV. Your hangover stands zero chance. Unlike their competitors, Waterboy has added ingredients beyond just hydration to help with nausea, anxiety, and fatigue. I'm at the age now where bachelor parties and weddings become almost a monthly occurrence. The only way I recover and am able to work well on Monday and go do some podcasts is by taking Waterboy the morning after. Hundreds of thousands of people already trust Waterboy as their cure for hangovers. And now for a limited time, you can too. My listeners get an exclusive 15% discount when they use my code ADAMB at waterboy.com. That's 15% off with code ADAMB at waterboy.com. Waterboy has got you covered. Coach, I appreciate you doing this. I'm excited to talk to you. Honor to be here. Appreciate hey, it. Um, I want to start with your kind of career journey to get to this point. You've uh, been at a lot of different places in the Pac-12, Bama, a lot of big programs. Let's start with uh, your time at Bama. You started as a defensive analyst. You're around Coach Saban, Kirby Smart, a lot of 
great coaches. What was something that you took from your time there that you've now used with you throughout the rest of your career and your time at Oregon? Yeah, I think ever since that point, you know, is is pretty life changing for me um, as a coach. Just the attention to detail, the organization, um, you know, the um, the um, effort that's put into the game plan process. Um, you know, it, it was it was amazing, man. It was an awesome experience for me, and I think um, you know that's transpired um, everywhere I've gone from there. You know, I felt like it's a little bit of a restart of how I approach. Um, the preparation, and again, um, you know, the development of coaching players. So mm-hmm. um, kind of in, in every aspect, you know, spending five seasons with Coach Saban was a major growth experience for myself. And, um, you know, I think uh, it was awesome for me to see a, a lead-by-example, yeah. you know, um, program where um, when, when the boss is working just as hard as everybody else, um, that's always motivating to me, you know, and, and – um, I think um, that's, you know, played a major role of, of my approach on a daily basis. Coach Saban, what would you say is the one thing that makes him so elite at what he does? Consistency. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, you know, from a, a win or a loss, the approach, mm-hmm. um, that's that's my immediate answer. Everybody, anytime anybody asks me that question, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, um, it's impressive. Um, you know, it actually... Reminded me a lot of, of my grandfather, who was an Italian um, immigrant that came over as a teenager and um, ultimately, you know, built a, a business from the ground up with his hands. And uh, that was something that I always admired about him. And he played a major role of the, the structure of my life and, um, you know, what I've aspired to be and seeing um, the consistency of those two individuals and their success, yeah. you know, it was very obvious to me. I feel like everyone who's reached the point in your, their coaching career that you have and as much success, you catch a break at some point in your career. What, what would you, looking back, what would you say is the break you called or when you maybe something flipped and you were like, all right, this thing's going to work out or I'm going to be as successful as I want to be? Um, you know, I, I don't recall really any break. I mean, I've been super fortunate um, um, with, with the opportunities that have been afforded to me. I think, um, you know, I've always been someone – from even in early ages, you know, trying to outwork the opponent, outwork my competition. Um, and uh, that's always stood true to this day. You know, that's something that I try to do is, um, and, and I think early on, um, I always in my mind thought I was going to be playing in the NFL for over 10 years and broke my foot three times. And um, when that that uh, dream fell short and, um, you know, I, that I was released from that opportunity. I immediately got the opportunity from Coach Tedford at Cal to start my coaching career, um, which I, to this day, extremely fortunate for. And, um, you know, even then it was something uh, of an opportunity to, you know, okay, cool, get my master's degree and and try to figure out life. But uh, it might have been 24, 48 hours into that opportunity where I absolutely fell in love with it and, and saw the opportunity to, um, just developing players, developing relationships, um, and, and saw something where I could be really passionate towards the occupation. Mm. Anytime I ask someone about you, I asked some people earlier today around the building about you, and the first thing everyone says is that you're the hardest worker they've been around, that you just grind it out from, from a ball standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint. Where does that passion or that desire to work that hard come from? Like Every coach works hard, but from what I've heard, you kind of go the extra mile and put in the extra time that other people aren't willing to. Well, I think, again, it stems from just my foundation, from upbringing, um, 
And it was something I've always respected about, you know, whether it's coaches or, or fellow teammates or players of, you know, seeing individuals outwork others, you know, and, and seeing um, the fruits that come from that, you know. So, you know, it's it's always been um, almost silly, you know, for me to be around even at a, at a young age. You know, I think um, when I became a full-time coach for the first time um, at that time, I, I think it was – I was the youngest coach either in, in Cal history or Pac-10 history at the time, one of those. And uh, But just to see individuals that kind of, um, whether it was opponents or maybe an individual you work with um, that doesn't doesn't approach it every day with that type of attack, um, whether it's preparation for your players, um, recruiting, you know, whatever the subject is, you know, it's something that's in your control, you know, and, and I always want to lead by example. So... I demand a whole lot about from our players, whether it's the individuals I'm coaching within a position or the whole defense. And um, I think when you demand a lot, then you better be um, leading by example as far as yeah. when you report to work, when you leave, how prepared you are. You know, um, when we when we go out to the field, even if it's just a walkthrough, I want that thing absolutely dialed. You know, I want every single detail um, to go in there and have the players you know, feel like all questions are answered before they even go out there. Yeah. You've been around a, a lot of freaks in your career at, at the different stops. I have a list here of Fitz, Fitzpatrick, Ruben Foster, Josh Allen, um, Darren Payne. There's a lot, the list is a lot long, longer than that. Who's the one guy that stands out to you that's the biggest freak of, of them all that was the, you know, the biggest specimen that, that you ever coached? Yeah, I mean, coaching Miles Garrett was was awesome. Um, Left him off the list. <laughs> and, and I think um, one of my, my greatest mentors ever is, is film. You know, it's not necessarily a, a single person or a coach. So I bring that up. Miles is a great example of, you know, some players are going to even challenge some of the specifics that you coach, you know, where a, a simple detail would be when I came to Alabama, I changed a certain way. We, we ran a pass rush game and the way your feet are set um, and then you go to the National Football League, you coach a guy like Miles Garrett, and maybe that doesn't exactly make sense because that individual can cover six yards in two steps when the average individual doesn't, you know. So um, I think studying just human mechanics and film um, has really helped me grow and and how I approach and coach. So, um, But, you know, that would be one that stands out and a couple other names that you didn't, you know, um, mention even back in my early early career at Cal, Cameron Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, someone that's still playing today and producing at the level he is. Um, he actually just came out here and visited this last summer and love him like a family member, like like many of these young men that I've been f- fortunate to coach. But he's another guy, too, that just a rare size-speed combination. Yeah. Um, but, again, what stands out with all these guys and all these so-called freaks is the guys that, that sustained um, the consistent approach of – work ethic, you know, outworking your opponent, the attention to detail, the preparation that went into film. Those are the guys at the end that, that seem to continually have the best careers that I've ever coached. You've cl- clearly been great at not just recruiting, but evaluating the talent and making mm-hmm. sure that you're taking the right guys. That's the extremely important part of it, obviously. What's the, when you're looking at film and evaluating either a portal guy or a high school recruit, what, what's, the, what's the characteristic that you're looking for on film that you know, you say this is a guy that can play in, in my kind of defense. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, absolutely the relentless effort. You know, that's something that's when we get into speaking about the culture of this defense, that's what we aspire to do when you turn on our film. Is that what you see? So it's going to be, you know, does this guy 
is he going to match our culture? Yeah. You know, um, of course, the measurables we do try to, you know, um, stay within a specific guideline per position um, when it does come to length, height, weight, the measurables that typically have fit the, the, the prototype success that we've had per position, inside backer, outside backer, interior D lineman, corner, safety, star. Um, so I think all those things together, um, I want to know as much as I can about the young man off the field too, um, what makes him tick, uh, uh, what his work ethic is like, what his approach is like, um, you know, the, the mental part of the game. I want to know if he loves the game too, you know, and, and again, um, we'll ask teachers, we'll ask coaches, we'll ask custodians yeah. and then go ourselves, you know, and really find out, you know, that was something that's helped me a lot. Um, leaving the college game and going to the National Football League for a number of years, that was something awesome for me, again, as another step uh, of growth of how intense that evaluation process is of a man's mental makeup, yeah. the interview process at the combine, um, the the Zooming, the FaceTiming of truly finding out what his mental makeup is and, and what his breaking point is. Um, has he dealt with some adversity you know, in his past life that's possibly transpired to now um, his approach on the field. You know, these are all important things because um, ultimately I think when you make those really tough decisions, whether going on an individual for a full ride scholarship or or not, or taking one individual over another, um, those are the things when height, weight, measurables, uh, um, talent, 40 time jumping is, is pretty much equivalent, then what's going to be... Um, you know what, what's going to be the factor that yeah. that causes you take it one individual over another, just like it was in the draft process. So, how, from an evaluation standpoint, when it comes to length and athleticism versus, you know, I always think of the example of you, you get the corner who's six two long arms. You don't love everything you see on film, but you're like, man, this guy could be special. We can coach him up. Versus the guy who's five eleven, six foot, not as long, but just a dog mentality, great ball skills. Like, how do you balance that from a evaluation and who you're taking standpoint uh, on every position on on defense? Yeah, it's it's a difficult process, um, surely. But what you really want to do is what you just mentioned is uh, take the longer, faster guy that is a dog. Yeah, you know, and then <laughs> you're typically a lot more right, so <laughs> than you are wrong. So. Um, however, there's always outliers, you know, yeah. I think what's important when you're building a roster is you don't build off of the outliers, you know, um, True. um, you know, one of the organizations in particular in the national football league, I think that, that got, um, us, uh, them in trouble for the future a little bit is when you do found that, find that outlier, then you're not necessarily trying to find him again and again of <laughs> the six foot, 290 pound interior D tackle yeah. that, that you struck gold on, well, you start going three, four, five times on that and you start creating a roster where if they don't have the same mental makeup that um, that one individual had, you know, now you're um, maybe looking for another job or just, you know, <laughs> not doing as well as you want to. So um, I think that's important is, is um, you know, being in position to do the proper homework um and try to you know get the best of the best, and I think that's both physically and mentally. That's yeah. that's the guys that we're always going to try to build our roster on. Yeah. Before we get back to the pod, we got to talk about something super important, fellas. I know you guys are using those sharp razors to shave your face and to shave your manly areas. I'm telling you, stop doing it. I was in your shoes. I was using regular razors, and then I found Manscaped. The Manscaped sponsored the pod a few months ago. 
and I started using their products, it has changed my routine and my life completely. I told you before about Smooth Sack Summer, it's now Fresh Ball Fall. You need fresh balls in the fall, there's no excuse not to be fresh. Let's be honest, we both know we go in a little bit nervous to our manly grooming routine with the regular old razors we use, but with Manscaped, it takes away any feeling of being nervous. I use the lawnmower 4.0 when I'm doing my manly grooming. I use the beard hedger for my face and the reviews have been immaculate. Just take my word on that one, boys. So I'm telling you, if you're using regular old razors, stop and use Manscaped. And you can go to manscaped.com and use my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. I'm telling you guys, it's fresh ball fall. Using Manscaped will change your routine, change your manlyhood, and change your life. Manscaped.com, promo code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. When I ask you about recruiting, you, you've been known for a long time as one of the top recruiters in college football. You've landed some huge talent. Uh, you dominate the Bay Area. Right? You, you kind of that, that's kind of your base of recruiting, from what I've seen from the outside. What's your philosophy when it comes to recruiting? You identify a guy that you want. Like, what are the steps you're taking to build the relationship and try to get him at your, your right. program? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it was never my goal, um, you know, and I think that's a little bit out of my choice as far as. Um, being known or having a a, um, a recruiting reputation, you know, I would yeah. be the greatest coach at what I do. Um, uh, what I found early, um, and and again, going back to learning from players, um, not necessarily always coaches, but you know, I played at the University of California, and at that time, um, Aaron Rodgers was my quarterback. Um, you know, one of my best friends from Chase Lyman, my roommate Jeff MacArthur, the, you know, the stable of running backs we had. Um, Marshawn Lynch, um, Deshaun Jackson at receiver, our offensive line, pretty much the entire crew went to the National Football League. Um, I figured out really early, good players, you know, kind of correlate to some success Mm -hmm. and um, always thought, felt, you know, found it odd how some coaches um, don't understand that, you know. Um, So I think if, if you can combine elite coaching, elite preparation with elite players, you know, ultimately that's what creates championship organizations and that was something again re- really reconfirming for myself um going off to the sec going to alabama for five seasons that was uplifting exciting it almost got to the point where um i had heard as a young coach you know of you know you got to be careful of recruiting so well because you get the reputation and if you want to be a d coordinator if you want to be a head coach um you know you're going to get the the reputation of being a recruiter, you know, rather than a coach. And, um, you know, just like I coach pass rush, for example, and run defense, I don't believe you can only be good at one thing. I think you can, mm. you know, if you have the same approach and attack, you can start to be really good at, at both, perhaps. And that was my mission on the early um, early quest. And immediately we found results, mm. um, you know, and, and had some success of uh, coaching um, at a high level. Yeah. Um, and recruiting at a high level. So, you know, uh, to this day, it's the same philosophy of we want to we want to sign the best players humanly possible, and then we want to coach them extremely hard yeah. and prepare them very well and develop them, you know, for the next level. So, um, to to answer your question, ultimately, is the same approach I have on preparation um, on our defensive meeting this morning on the attention to detail of our walkthrough this morning in the indoor on a bye week. Um, we don't call it a bye week. We call it a growth week. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the same exact approach in recruiting. You know, um, I called an individual that we want to sign 
um, that's announcing here soon. Um, you know, uh, in between my walkway to the lunch, I called him, I called his grandfather, I called his mother, you know, and that's, that involves effort. It's not easy. It's not convenient. You know, it takes away from, uh, the family that I love to come home to every day, but it's also, you know, something that's important that I want to coach the best players in the country and, 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 um, I want to coach them at a high level. So if we can combine that, um, again, that puts us in position that, that, we could accomplish what we all want to do in the end. And that's, you know, win championships, prepare these young men, um, you know, for the national football league, as well as ensure that they're going to get their degree and be a contributing member in society. Day one, uh, defensive unit meeting for training camp. What, what's the defensive culture, the fundamentals, the foundation that you're, you're telling the unit? Yeah, I think, I think it's ex- extremely important for us. So I don't need a piece of paper to say this, you know, it's ingrained in my soul and my mind we want to play with a relentless effort and we want to define that. So we define that in three ways. Um, we want to, when the ball snapped, we call it six seconds of hell and going back to, to one of my strongest mentors and foundation up front, Pete Jenkins, you know, that's something as a young coach, 26 or 27 years old, um, um, me sitting at his house and Destin and studying all his film and clinics. That was something that, um, always stood with my life as, um, I want to attack and dominate my box for six seconds of hell mm-hmm. and own my job, whatever that be. Um, we want to play from point A to point B as fast and as violent as possible. And we want to have every single play with a plus two finish. So if I'm in the weight room, strength coach tells me to do six reps, I'm trying to do eight. Mm-hmm. If I'm supposed to run it through a, a line of, of 10 yards, I'm going to get two additional steps. So that's the first and foremost of our culture is relentless effort. And we define it in three ways. From there, it's ball excellence. You know, I think um, nobody would argue um, uh, the strongest correlation into wins and losses is is turnover margin. So um, for us not to put that first and foremost in our culture would be silly. So that's something. And then we define it as the will and the desire um, to to finish on the ball, attack the ball, um, you know, that's something that I've taken great pride in and feel like almost every stop I've been in, you know, that's, that's somewhere that I strive to improve the organization of attacking the ball, how we do it, the detail we do it, the study of t- TV copy, um, you know, that's been a success um, for us. Um, some of the things, you know, um, we could have improved a lot from last season, but that was something of being top 10 in the country and in continuing that this season. Um and then um, the third part of it, and if you will, it's kind of 1A, 1B, 1C are all together on the same level as what we call the power of unit here, you know, but but basically the some, um, playing for something bigger than just yourself, you know, and, and playing for a brotherhood, you know, and, and all of the strongest mentors of, of mine, of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Dan Quinn um, and the individuals that I've been blessed to, to coach with and um, play a major role in my life and um, my coaching career. You know, these are kind of bits and pieces that taking from each coach and then, you know, putting my own spin on it and, um, you know, trying to have uh, uh, the defense really represent those three things. Yeah. Last couple of things I got for you, Coach. Appreciate all your time. As a defensive play caller, how do you balance risk when it comes to big moments in the game? I, I was watching the Duke-Notre Dame game and 
there was a bunch of talk on social media with like the analyst media world of they were bringing pressure and then the biggest moment in the game they played drop eight. And it's like, mm-hmm. why do you do that? Right. So like, how do you balance that as a, as a play caller when you're bringing the house, when you're bringing pressure, when you're when you're playing coverage? Yeah, I think um, I think it's you know every individual game is its own entity. So I think it's um, you know not rising to the occasion, but sticking to your preparation. And at the end of the day, we're going to game plan, and you know that way you really take the emotion out of it, yeah. you know, and you and you go, um, you know, you go into that game with intense preparation, and ultimately every game that I call, you know, I'm calling that game with the absence of fear based off the preparation that I've had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't know the certain detail you're talking about as far as the the Duke Notre Dame game. I didn't get the opportunity to see it, um, other than highlights like everybody else, but. It's those moments that, um, you know, that you're going to, I'm going to base it off the preparation. So if drop eight is what we did and what we practiced and what our players are expecting, then that's most likely what we're going to do. If blitzing at that time is the best thing be based off of our pre- preparation, that's what we're going to do. I don't think, you know, it's it's changing your mind. It's more so, you know, going into those moments and how many of those moments can you recreate for your players? Um, can you resurface that week? You know, we, we do an intense preparation building all the way up to kickoff in our organization. So, um, you know, if, if a coach or a player says the haze in the barn on a Thursday, like you might start a riot over here, you know, <laughs> it's the furthest thing from it. You know, we're going to continue our preparation all the way up to that point. And, um, you know, even throughout the game, if you see our sideline, you know, I always get a kick out of um, of seeing other teams or places, you know, we've done it this season where their whole defensive staff is watching the game. You know, I might have I might have seen four plays this season out of our offense. You know, we're going to demand that out of our staff of what can we prepare our players for that's that we're anticipating on that next series. Yeah. You know, what can we challenge them with? What can we resurface on Wednesday's preparation? You know, all our coaches have notes um, and and tip sheets, and we bring those out during the game. You know, and that's one of the most exciting things and invigorating things. We went in last week versus Stanford, and we went over what we hadn't seen yet and what we're anticipating. And on the first play of the half, that's exactly what happens. So when you watch our film and you see all the players signal together, that's yeah. exactly what we just covered. That's the exact play that came to life. And, um, you know, sure enough, we, we forced um, the quarterback to, to you know, um, into an incomplete pass and mm-hmm. kind of play into those. That You know, that's to me, it's... That's what makes this profession so cool is you're not reporting, you know, kind of a nine to five. It's every day is different. Every single yeah. opponent's different. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that's how we're going to approach and continue and, um, you know, not not second guess on game day, our yeah. preparation, hopefully. I talk a lot on this podcast when I talk to coaches and players about overcoming adversity, like what, what, having something bad happening or it doesn't always go perfect, right? It's not always rainbows and butterflies. What's a moment in your career where maybe you faced some adversity or things didn't go the way you planned and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can recall the first game I ever called. Um, it was a it was a top 20 battle at Alabama. Um, we were playing Louisville. Um, you know, of course, of are are you prepared for this moment are you ready to be a defensive coordinator you know you're you're standing next to the you know perhaps the best defensive coordinator ever to do it in the game um you know again i think it's um those moments you know you can always go back on you know and 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 um you know depend on your built for this your preparation i mean i truly believe um the most important conversations you have are the ones with yourself 
Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, no disrespect to you whatsoever. And, and I know social media is, is huge, you know, these <laughs> days. And um, But it's something that I choose not to, um, you know, uh, be on too much, sure. you know. And, and I think as, as you kind of check boxes off um, within your career and accomplish some goals of yours, um, you know, whether specifically to me, whether that's a, I want to, I want to accomplish this as a position coach. I want to lead the nation in sacks. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I want to coach in the national football league. Um, I want to be a defensive coordinator. I want to coordinate a number one overall defense in the country. Uh, whatever those are, I want to go coach in the national championship. I want to win a national title. Like Mm -hmm. as you, as you check those boxes off, you start to feel a lot more comfortable of hearing less from other people, you know? Um, uh, and so, the mentors of mine, the individuals I respect, you know, that's, that's who I'm going to listen to. Um, and, uh, you know, individuals I don't know, or, um, you know, haven't accomplished, um, what I'm striving to accomplish, then I'm probably not going to put a whole lot into, you know, their input to be quite honest. And, and that's no disrespect to anybody, you know? Um, so I think when you become more and more comfortable with yourself and, um, you can check those boxes off, you know, again, that just, it, 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 um, it allows you to approach every day, you know, with a, with a dominant mindset, you know, and not be, not living a life of being self-conscious or, you know, second guessing yeah. decisions or what other people think, as opposed to, you know, you start to gain a lot more confidence and, you know, um, of what you think is right. Yeah. Last thing I got for you, I want to ask about coach landing and, uh, you guys had been together in Alabama a little bit, right. right? So you you saw him in that light, and now he's the head coach at Oregon and calls you up to be his defensive coordinator. How did that relationship evolve, and, and how excited were you when he called you about this job? Yeah, I, I was excited. You know, this um extremely fortunate for me. This was the thir- third time I was afforded this opportunity to be the D coordinator at Oregon in my career. Um, and, and the major difference is Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dan... Really, he worked for me. Matter of fact, at, at the University of Alabama, GA. Um, that's right. right. Yeah, he was a GA of mine, um, and you know everybody noticed quickly. You know, just his approach. What a great fit he was with our staff. Um, his growth mindset. You know, he was someone that I knew when he left Alabama, and he got an, a, a better opportunity at that time. We were going to stay in touch. You know, and he was somebody that it was like, I want to hire this guy, whatever my next step is, or back here, which I attempted to do. And um, so um, shortly after that, Coach Saban agreed, and we tried to hire Dan um, as a full-time staff member at Alabama, knowing we were going to have some movement. We were actually preparing for a national title. Um, We were in the semifinal game against Clemson, and Georgia was playing against Oklahoma. and whether Kirby got wind of it, because I don't, you know, Dan wasn't self-promoting himself. Um, and we were literally going to hire Dan right after the national title game. So we were playing Georgia, and I checked in with him about that Tuesday or Wednesday, and Kirby had already stole him to Georgia. He was there, um, you know, in some in some um, um, aspect working for them. I'm not too sure if that was even legal, so we have to look into that with Kirby. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he was already there. So no. And so he was there on his own will getting ready. And, and so he, you know, he was almost apologetic, you know, like I didn't know what to do. And there was basically, you know, felt like there was something for sure here as opposed to what you guys, you know, were most likely going to do. And, um, we stuck in strong contact after that. 
even when I went to the National Football League, you know, we would constantly do things like Zoom and jump on things and talk about some coverage concepts and and pressure concepts. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just stuck in pretty solid contact there. Um, And and then uh, sure enough, you know, I was sitting in my office in Jacksonville, had a really good thing going there in Jacksonville um, and had some other opportunities with some other organizations as that year was getting concluding. And Dan had asked if I had some interest into coming here. And um, when I told my wife that, she kind of knew within uh, 30 minutes, probably like, okay, we're probably moving back to college football (laughs) and just knowing my respect level of Dan. But again, um, you know, going back into that growth mindset aspect of the game and um, coming here and then even he's, he's, he's exceeded my expectations of what he's done here um, and so much more from a defensive standpoint, but his approach to the offense, the special teams, mm. the connection of the team, um, how strong and important culture is to him off the field. Um, it's been an awesome experience. And, um, you know, it's really cool to see just our immediate success, but also acknowledgement of, you know, continuing continuing the things that we can all improve. Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Congrats yeah. on all the success. I'm excited to see what you guys do the appreciate rest of the year. It. We're just getting started, yeah. man. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate yeah. it, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Have a good one.